You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. In Acts chapter 9 today, I had an opportunity to check in a bit and to watch uh, church both Sundays at different times. Got to see Matt a couple weeks ago teach, and then also my friend Chris Reyes last week. I really enjoyed having him there. Today, uh, Joni and I are going to <clears throat> do something we've never done before. This is true. And so I'm going to bring uh, the message from Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 32. We're going to hear of a couple stories as the scripture describes Peter is going here and there throughout this region that goes from Caesarea to a place called Joppa on the coast to another place called Lydda. And as the church is beginning to grow, there's these uh, really cool things that are happening. People are being healed and their salvation is happening and there's great needs that are arising. And so Peter begins to popcorn around as the other uh, disciples and apostles are as well. They're being sent different places to go and put out fires or to help in certain situations to confirm what God's doing. So we get to hear a little bit about Peter on the way as God uses him as he's going. And we're also, Joni is going to be uh, simultaneously, we're going to take turns talking. She's going to bring some uh, insight into what we did while we were in Germany. And how that will work together, I have no idea. But at one point, we will be done. So that's, that's the thing that's in front of you today. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Joni, take it away. This is why we call you family. We are a church family. Um, you notice I had kind of, I wanted to share this today. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, Thanks. So as Louis starting in Acts 9 towards the end and going into Acts 10, like he said, um, I'm going to try my best to bring along um, who, what, where, and why we were there. And um, it felt like we were on a missions trip. This was not a vacation in any way, shape, or form. And um, we had to be ready in season and out of season, tired, hungry, um, you know, you think like you would need to know a little bit of German, but we actually found that we needed to know more Russian uh, than we thought and other languages as well. And so communicating through a translator um, on our phone became essential um, for us as well if we did not have somebody to translate for us. And so um, our time in Germany, we spent in um, four different cities and um, we were in two churches while we were there, and we were also at a pastor's conference for the Foursquare um, National Church Pastors. Um, so not only was it um, uh, pastors from Germany, but there were five other countries that were there because we got to pray over them one night, and plus Austria. And so there was a very good representation of um, the world. Um, there at um, the pastor's conference. There were probably 115 or so people there, so we're not talking massive. So definitely an intimate feel um, where we were able to interact with um, people. And then um, both the churches that we were at, um, we got to, Louis was able to, um, and blessed to be able to bring the word and um, we got to be a part of the church family, and then even more so in Bielefeld. Um, Bielefeld is up northeast, um, pretty um, close to the um, 
Polish border up there. And um, it um, definitely is a mission up there where they're at because they're still um, bringing in refugees and helping with refugees and things like that. And so um, it's a very active church. And uh, we were also very active while we were there in Bielefeld. We jumped in with both feet and went along with all the ministries and the things that um, they do there. And um, so we'll get to talk a little bit more about that as well. So that's just a little bit of a rounded picture. We did end our time in Berlin and uh, with friends, and that's a whole other story that maybe I'll get into a little bit, if um, God willing, um, through the scriptures today. And, um, and then we were home and um, not with our luggage. Um, but you know what? That's the best way to have your luggage not show up at the end. And um, so... Um, we do have our luggage now, and that's wonderful. Um, but you know what? That wasn't even a big deal. Like, after everything we had just gone through, it's like luggage, we're fine. You know, you just throw on a baseball cap and um, wear the same thing. And yep. we're home. Yep. So, okay. I think one of the things that stood out to me the most from Germany is before we left, we were surrounded by sick people here. Lots of them. Everywhere. Uh, we have a preschool here with 100 kids in it. 99.3 of them had some sort of illness at some point during that two weeks we were gone. Many of the teachers, and we're praying. We don't want to care. We don't want to be carriers of anything. We don't want to be sick. We don't want to be so sick we can't go. We also don't want to be so sick when we get there that we can't do anything. We also don't want to be so sick when we're there that we can't come home. So that's kind of in the back of our heads. But no sickness. When we get to Germany, we're surrounded by people coughing and hacking everywhere. And sore throats. And sort of people with like, oh, sore throats. Yes. Um, during our entire time, and even now, Joni and I have not had any symptoms of anything. We've been completely healthy. And I take that as a, a thank you, God, for the testimony of keeping us healthy and giving us energy. Um, this is going to sound petty, but my bandwidth is really low today. And so in our travels... We had to sleep separately the majority of the time. And 34 years ago, I got married specifically so I would not ever have to do that again. And it's like poor Louie, right? No, but it, it, was, it was one of those unforeseen things where even when we had our own place in our own room where there's nobody else, it's just us, you know, she, we had this setup where I'm in a bunk and she's in a bunk on the other side of the, the ship's cabin that really was like being on a, a cruise ship from what I've been told. It was a hostel. And it's like waving at each other. From, and so it was one of those other things where we really had to take the time to intentionally connect because when we were out of our rooms, it was almost like we were, no, it was like we were on and had to be engaging. <clears throat> and that was one of the things I did not expect was how hard it would be to intentionally have to take the time to be here and to connect. So thank you for your prayers for health and for us. Um, we're in Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 35 to start things off. And really, as I gave a little bit of a uh, heads up a little bit earlier, this is a story of Peter going here and there. It says, now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who arrived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise, you, rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. 
It's interesting. I want you to take a look at this map. And uh, Jaden, if you'd kill the lights up here too so I can show it a little bit better. When we're talking today, you know, here, this area, here's Nazareth. Uh, over in this area, we've got kind of the region of Galilee, Capernaum, Beth Beth Bethsaida, Jerusalem's in here as well. Over in this area is where Peter is hanging out. And this is a plain. This is, there's mountain region here, but this whole area is like a, a big valley. And it's much easier to travel in this area. And so once Peter is kind of out and about going here and there, he's coming down into these areas trying to encourage and to spend time with, pray for, etc. the believers he's coming in contact with. So he ends up first in this town called Lydda. And as he's there, thank you guys, you, you can turn the light back on. Uh, as he's there, he comes across a guy who, named Aeneas who's been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. And it's one thing, I don't know what had happened to Aeneas, what made him paralyzed. But at some point, we know that people believe that healing can happen. But after a while, if healing does not happen, it becomes a thing where he's just Aeneas who's the paralyzed guy, he's bedridden, that's kind of his lot in life. Nothing has happened, nothing has changed. And, you know, Peter's traveling, uh, going around up and down, and he sees this guy, and there's something that happens. And it's, this has happened multiple times in Peter's life where he saw Jesus do this, where Jesus would encounter someone who had a long-term sickness or a long-term disability, a long-term brokenness, something that they had just accepted and been a part of it's been now in their life and they were functioning in it but Jesus had called them out of it and and healed them one of the ones that comes to mind I think is in the book of John chapter 5 could be wrong my memory is not what it used to be three weeks ago um, but the the story of Jesus encountering the man at Bethesda who's been there for so long and so many years and over 30 years he's been laying by the pool hoping and praying that maybe one day that he'd be able to get into the pool and that when the water stirred because there was a superstition that it, when the water was stirring that was God moving an angel was there and going to bring healing and he's just laying there and Jesus comes and he meets him and he says you know stand rise up and walk and eventually he tells the guy you know your sins are forgiven take your bed and go home and there's something in that example of Jesus encountering this individual where he says, you've been here for 30-something years. Your normal has been waiting for a hope that's never happened. And you're expecting that God's going to do something in and through you somehow, and it's going to hinge upon this particular pool. But I'm telling you now that whatever has brought you here, I'm forgiving you for that. And I'm telling you, pack up your bed and go home. It's time for you to transition out of where you have been to go to what your next thing is. The temptation would be, this is the only thing I have now. For 30 years, I've been living next to this pool. This is what I've got. And Jesus says, no, pack it up and go home. It's going to require that he gets a job. It's going to require that he gets to back to work. It's going to require that he has to start reengaging with society. He's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to happen, but Jesus starts that with, take up your bed and go home. Peter in Acts chapter 3, we see him and John on the way to temple at the hour of prayer, and they encounter a man who's been paralyzed and lame for many, many years, and he sits by the gate beautiful, and every day they walk by him, and they say, hey, and he says, hey. This particular time, they look at him and see he has faith to be healed. And so he says, you know, I don't have any gold to give you, but silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And his man begins to walk and to leap and to praise God. So this same Peter comes into a situation with Aeneas who's been paralyzed for eight years and bedridden and something moves him to speak words of healing over Aeneas and he calls him in the same way Jesus called the man at the, at the pool of Bethesda in the same way that earlier he and John had spoken to the man at the gate beautiful. He tells him, you know, rise and make your bed. 
It's time for you to be done with where you have been and to move forward into the next thing God's got for you. And as I'm looking at this, I don't want to try and stretch the text to try and make it applied in every single one of our lives. But there's a, there's, there's a message in here that when Jesus is working in your life, he will often call you out of something or away from something as he's transforming, as he's healing, as he's teaching you, and he calls you to leave that behind and to go forward into the next thing. Often, when we're in transition, when we're in process, it's a very uncomfortable thing to be in between. What are you doing? Well, I'm not what I was, and I'm not where I want to be. And we want to kind of put our feet as far apart as we can, touch one spot here and one spot here so we're kind of safe. But I believe that God, as he's dealing with us, as he's teaching us, as he's providing for us, as he's strengthening us, as he's putting things in front of us, he's calling us to take that step and to leave that which was there behind. Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 3. When he says, forgetting what lies behind, I set my eyes and my heart on the prize. And when he's talking about the things that are behind, he's not talking about the bad stuff. Yes, we get it. We have bad stuff in our life. We want to move forward in Jesus. Amen to that, right? We don't want to be thinking on that. But may we not be stuck in the good that God has done before and miss the good he has in front of us. He's calling us to keep going forward in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, in our workplace, with our friends, with the people we come in contact with, to be people who are growing in him and open to him. Because he is not done with us. You will know when he's done because you'll be looking at him face to face. So, okay. Joni, more Germany. Okay. One of the things that we experienced um, was a lot of mutual love. And as I was writing down, Louis was blogging publicly, and many of you probably read those things. Publicly. I, I write, I'm a pencil and paper girl. And um, I wrote so many times that we sat around a table, or we sat with a group of people, or in a car, and we shared our hearts, and there was a mutual love. And not only was there a mutual love um, for one another, but that there was a, a time of encouragement. There was a lot of listening and then thinking, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What is, what is being communicated in this? And how can I be an encouragement, whether I'm just listening or how can I um, speak um, life in, um, and um, words of wisdom into these um, situations that, as we're hearing people um, talk about um, the pains of the people that they're ministering to and the hardships and the challenges and the loss and things like that. Um, but coming back to the mutual love of people and that, you know, as I'm I'm reading this and I was reading this text this morning and that they were, you know, going from place to place and we go place to place. We go from our home and then to work or to um, our car, if you're a mom and you're a taxi driver, um, or you know wherever it is. And we are the ones that are the light. And that we are the ones that are depositing encouragement into those that are around us and being activated by the Holy Spirit to be a light to those 
that are in our worlds that we live in. And um, just like here, as they were going from place to place and ministering and being filled with the Holy Spirit and doing miracles as they were laid before them, they had the eyes to see and the ears to hear. We are the church. And God gives us this Holy Spirit that was there then is here now. And he is waiting for us to be open and ready to be used by him so that when somebody has a migraine, we can say, can I pray for you? When somebody's foot is hurting and it's been a chronic pain and they can't walk, does anybody know what that feels like? Jesus wants to heal that. Maybe that's you right now in Jesus' name, be healed. We don't have to live with suffering. And when we ask and we pray in Jesus' name for healing, it will happen the way it, God's will be done. And it may not look how we think, but our prayers are active and they are powerful. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to keep praying for that freedom or that healing. And um, so I did not talk a lot about Germany. So street church, we're in Bielefeld. It's dark. It's raining. It's cold. I can't feel my toes. Um, we're bundled up. We look like Europeans because you have to wear a beanie. You got to wear a scarf. You got to wear the jacket. And we're out there. And the street church is a ministry to be the church. It's not an evangelistic type ministry where they're out. Um, get saved. Get saved. Of course, we want people to get saved. But they want the people to also know a community. These people that are living on the streets. We're serving sandwiches with meat or cheese in them. Not, Not together. No. Germans don't do that. I don't understand this. I'm like, when they were making them, it like hurt so bad. I tried I'm to like, revolutionize some people's lives by yeah. like salami, they had to have cheese, cheese, together. And meat. Come we're on now. We're serving coffee and hot tea and hot broth. And um, I love the, the fact that we were serving it so they would approach us and we could have an eye-to-eye exchange with them and um, let them know that they're valuable and that they're worthy. And we're doing this, and I'm standing right there, and there's this woman who just finished smoking her pipe of, pipe, pipe of crack. And she's running around like this, and she's looking for white flecks on the ground. I've never seen this before in my life. It freaked me out. She was straight tripping. Yes. She was not the only one. Yeah. Her name was Nora. I am not going to forget her name. This was not a good night for Nora. This was not a usual thing for Nora, but she was there. And we got to call her by name. As the night, like she would kind of come off of it and um, kind of like make more sense and come for coffee. And it wasn't just Nora, but there were other people. Like at that time, I probably knew five people's names. I know what they look like right now in my mind. I don't know their name. But we got to know people by name. And they go and weekly give hugs and they give food and they listen and they let them know that Jesus loves them. And one of the stories is a woman that was addicted to drugs, and she knew that they were going to be there 
on that what night was that? Thursday night. On a, every Thursday night. They're there. Same place, same time, same food, same drinks. And she shows up, and she looks good. Like, she doesn't have the look in her eye. And I'm like, I wonder what she's doing here. And she wanted to talk to one of the women that we were with. And she was one of the ones that were held captive by addiction. And she found Jesus. And she came back in her right mind, looked like she had come from work, and she wanted to know more about who this Jesus is and wanted to make the steps for freedom and salvation. And um, it was a beautiful picture of God's redemption, redemptive love in this woman's life. And doing something that might not seem, it didn't feel like what we were doing was very productive or like it was going to make a, a big splash. Sometimes it's just showing up. It's just being there because we are a light and there's something that shines in us or that is spread, that mutual love, the love of Christ that people feel. It's tangible. Yeah. I got to uh, feel very worthless that evening because the majority of people, I, I did not make the grade to hand out food or drinks, and I did not speak German. Other, my, my German basically is I can navigate a menu, and I can also navigate a church service. I know church German, which is worthless on the street. And so I'm praying, you know, God, help me not feel worthless here. Because people come up and try and talk to me. It's like, I'm a white dude from America and I don't know nothing, okay? And so I'm just standing there. And as I'm praying, Lord, would you please send somebody I can talk to? And I hear this guy and he's speaking Polish and he's speaking, uh, you know, trying to engage with somebody. And it's like, he comes over to me and starts talking. And I said, you know, do you speak German? And he says, I asked him in German. He said, no, I don't speak German. I said, I don't speak German either. And he's like, I wish I, he's like, oh, and I said, man, I said to him in Spanish, I wish you spoke Spanish. And he's like, I speak Spanish. And so we talked for about 15 minutes. I got to pray for him as he's dealing with hopelessness of having all sorts of skills as a construction worker, as a painter, and as a tile worker. But he can't get hired because he doesn't speak the language. And he needs to make money because his mom is sick. And she can't get the medicine she needs because he doesn't have the money to do it. And so he doesn't want to live on the street, doesn't want to, uh, you know, come hang out in the spot where really people are, are down in this area to score drugs that are probably tainted and to pick up, you know, half-empty beer bottles and, and slam them. He's down there, it's like, I'm desperate. I don't know what else to do. I wanted to forget. And so I got to pray for him. And I was also one of those things where, you know, Lord, thank you. I felt so worthless. I didn't, I didn't have anything to give. And you sent someone that could speak, you know, pretty bad Spanish, and I can do that too. And so we got to have a moment engaging with each other. Don't ever disqualify yourself in a situation because God will continue to work in you, and he may even lob you up somebody that only you can talk to. Keep going? Okay, so Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 43. We keep going through here. We've just seen Amy is healed. So we go back to the map. You realize from... From Lydda, there's a spot about 11 miles towards the coast called Joppa. And in Joppa, there's a woman named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas, which is really fun to say. She is full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. 
Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and the other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. She opened up her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon the Tanner. So at Joppa, they're freaking out because this woman, Tabitha or Dorcas, uh, one is uh, Aramaic, the other is Greek. They both mean gazelle. This woman has been a huge blessing within this this group of believers. She's most likely a younger woman because she, her main ministry is to the older ones or to the widows. And she has done nothing but be a blessing. And she gets some sort of sickness and dies. And the people don't know what to do other than they prepare her for burial, but instead of calling for the burial to happen, they hear that Peter's in Lydda because Annie has got healed. And news travels. When a dude that's been paralyzed for eight years is no longer paralyzed, people hear about it. Even though there was no social media, even though there was no news, there was nobody texting, did you, OMG, did you hear what happened today in Lydda? There was not, there was none of that. They heard. And so they send a message and say, hey, wherever Peter is, would you have him come here to Joppa? And he shows up, and really, he goes into a situation, this is something that he has seen before when he was with Jesus. There were times when there was a centurion that came to Jesus and said, please come with me, I want you to, or a synagogue ruler, I want you to see my daughter, she's sick, and just please come. And while Jesus is on the way there, he, he, it's where the woman who has the issue of blood for 12 years touches him and he stops and makes a big issue. You know, you know who touched me? And there's a crowd pressing in on him and you know, everybody's touching you. It's like, no, somebody touched me and power went out for me. And this woman says, it was me. And he says, woman, your faith has made you well. And at that moment, the, the synagogue ruler, Jairus, gets the news that his daughter's dead. It's like, don't bother the Savior anymore. And Jesus says to Jairus, you know, don't be afraid, just believe. And he grabs Peter and John. And he says, let's go. And he takes them to where Jairus lives. And in Jairus' house, there's, right outside of it, there's a bunch of mourners who've been hired. Back in the day when someone died, you spent money on getting people to come and scream outside your, your, your house and to cry and to wail. And Jesus says, what are you guys doing? You're wasting your time. No, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And everybody started making fun of him. And again, to the, to the father, don't be afraid, just believe. And they go upstairs. The little girl's laying dead on the bed. And Jesus goes to her. And he puts his hand out and he says, Talitha, which means little girl in Aramaic. Little girl, come forth. And she sits up. And the parents were happy. And they, he says to the parents, give her some food. Very practical. And she's alive and they present her alive. And when you look at that story versus what Peter does here, it's almost identical. He goes into the room and says, he puts everybody else out. And he goes over there. He doesn't say, Talitha, you know, get up. He says, Tabitha, get up. So it's almost even the same word, same name. And she's healed. And it's one of those things where you look at Peter, man, what an incredible guy. There were, there's a temptation to believe when we're reading the stories of the apostles that we're reading about superheroes. And a lot of it comes from the, I like to call the, the Christian bookstore theology where if you ever went into a Christian bookstore as a kid, they're kind of disappearing now, which I'm not sad about because you can still get good Christian books. You don't have to go into the Christian bookstore. But when we'd go into the Christian bookstore, they had action figures. And it was like, superheroes of the Bible. 
and you go and you find, you know, the most humble man of all, Moses. It kind of flies in the face of the most humble man of all if you've got superhero Moses with special action staff. You know, you press the button on the back. And it's like you've got David, the mighty shepherd boy who slays Goliath, and he's got this, press the button, it goes with a sling. It's like, this is crazy stuff. And we start thinking, man, I, I could never do that. Over and over, we're told that these people who are highlighted in the Old Testament are highlighted because they're people just like us. They're nobodies. There's nothing special about them. God intentionally chose people who were less than. He chose the runt of the family when he chose David. They didn't even invite David. The family didn't even invite David to a special dinner that was called by the prophet Samuel when Samuel said, invite your whole family, all the kids, to this dinner because we're doing something special. They didn't invite David because he's the runt. We don't need him. Okay? Moses is living on the backside of the desert for 40 years. He has a speech impediment. He has a, stump, a, a stuttering problem. He's afraid. He's run away from his family. And God says, I'm going to use you. And Moses says, you, you, you can't use me. I'm, I don't talk so good. He says, then I'll use your brother with you, but you're going. Ultimately, God wants to work through us if we're available. And we see Peter, he's available. In the, in the times when we were in Germany, the majority of the ministry, ministry is just a word that means service. The majority of the time we were with people, it was sitting in a group of two or three people, listening, and then sharing insight. Here's what I think. And over and over again, we got to see God do miraculous things where we saw people's entire countenance change and shift as they said, I mean, imagine just sharing what you think is your opinion on something, sharing a perspective, something that God has told you, and having them melt and say, you have no idea how many times I've been asking God for an answer to the question you just gave to me. We thank God that he filled our mouth, that we could be in a spot to just share opinions, of which I have several on scripture that God would use to bring encouragement because to encourage someone is to give them courage that they do not have. And every single one of us can do that. There was nothing that we did that people in our churches cannot do on a daily basis with the people we come in contact with, that we work with, that we see at bullies, that we go to, you know, film, wherever you happen to be, Jesus is there working in you to bring encouragement to people on purpose. I'll be really quick. Um, You're on the clock. I'm on the clock. Um, I was thinking about how Jesus sent out the disciples two by two and how Louie and I went, um, the two of us, together. And there's things that we'll do when we have another person with us that we wouldn't do on our own. And one of them that happened <laughs> was um, we found ourselves in a, like a section, like, um, is it Section 9 housing yes. um, type um, complex with um, eight stories of housing, balconies all around, probably 10 of these um, buildings. And they had um, come there over the summer and did ministry with kids. And then, of course, there's a time change there as well. So we show up. It's like 4.30. It's Louie and I and two women. And they're bringing us here because they want to show us um, what they're doing, and they want to pray, and they want to worship. So we're lugging around a violin, a guitar, and there's nobody around. It's dark. It's cold. It had just rained. And we find ourselves 
in the middle of this complex. We walked through the, the, the grass was out in the middle, and we walked through the mud to get into the middle, and we found a rock, and we put down the instruments, and they started playing the guitar and the violin. And we're praying in the spirit. Did I mention that we had not prayed? We prayed so much. We pr I have prayed more than I have prayed in a very, very long time. And I prayed in the spirit constantly. So we're out there and we're praying in the spirit. And they're, praying, they're playing the violin. They're playing the guitar. Louie and I would not normally do this. This is not something we would do. And people are coming out of their balconies. And it's cold. And so they come out for a little bit and go back in. And the feeling of peace and our prayers of uh, peace in the homes and joy in the homes and salvation over um, the people in, the, in these homes. And um, they, the two women that we were with spoke pretty good English, and so that was helpful so we could pray. But we found ourselves in a situation that we would not normally do on our own. And I love that about how Jesus sent two, or that we are in a, a body of believers. We are in a church, and that we have one another, and it talks about how we sharpen one another. And when we get an idea or a thought, to have somebody because those two women would have gone if Louie and I weren't there. They would have gone and done that just because that's a call that they have on their life to go and minister in those situations. But I believe that we have um, more um, boldness and we have uh, we, a little bit more courage as we have a plan and we go with somebody and we reach people do what it is, the act of kindness, love, whatever it is. And I experienced that that evening, um, doing something that I would not have normally done on my own. Yeah, I think uh, there's a story of a guy in the Bible whose name is Joseph, and he's a Levite, which means he is in charge of helping communicate what's happening at the temple for worship with the other Jews. And uh, he is someone who everyone loves. And they love him because he's an encourager. And eventually, people kind of forget that his name is Joseph, and they just start calling him the son of encouragement, or Barnabas. Barnabas. He's a guy everyone wants to see coming. Because as Barnabas is coming towards them, he is bringing with him life and joy and words of encouragement. And not just like, hey there, guy, looking great today, great to see you, catch you next week. It was authentic connection and a message from Jesus. This is something that is a takeaway for me. I, I want us to be challenged to be intentionally trying to be like Barnabas in our lives, to be speakers of encouragement to people. That's a hope that I have. This last section of scripture that we had just kind of gone through with Peter at Lydda, Peter at Joppa, it's transitional. It's heading into Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 10 is one of the most powerful and significant scriptures in all of the book of Acts. Because in Acts chapter 10, we get to see where God supernaturally brings in non-Jewish people and says salvation is for them too. If you are here today and you are not Jewish and you call upon Jesus as your Savior, this is for you. 
This is when God did it. He broached the, the topic. We're going to get into hearing about Cornelius and some of the other people that, and how God did the supernatural thing of, of pouring out his spirit upon people that Peter wouldn't even go in their house without an express written uh, note from the Holy Spirit to do it. But I was wondering... I'm thinking about these stories about the, the lame man being healed and the dead woman being raised, these stories that immediately precede Acts 10. And right before one of the most significant events in Christian history, God bridging the gaps to the Gentiles, the, the paralyzed one getting legs that are able to work, and the dead woman who can't do anything raised, raised back to life, we're seeing where God is intersecting things that look impossible and look broken. And he is destroying works of darkness. He's healing and transforming and making new. And he's allowing things that would never have happened to be happening. There's a couple of scriptures in Jeremiah that talk about God making a, a roadway in the desert or making a river in the middle of the, of the wilderness. Things that are just completely incapable of happening apart from God. And as I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about what's coming, I'm reminded that God wants to do incredible, miraculous, impossible things in, your, in our lives. Regardless of how long we have been living in a pattern of behavioral life that's just, this is just the way that it is. Like Aeneas was just the paralyzed guy. Like Dorcas was dead. Not mostly dead, but totally dead. Nothing to do. And God intersected and said, I'm going to change the future for you. I believe that today God wants to speak to us and say, I want to change your future. I want to change your present. So the things he's calling you towards in the future, he's going to bring life. He's going to give you something new. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you, especially Holy Spirit, for taking and applying words today. I pray that you would speak to people's hearts and remind them of the need for encouragement that we all have, but also the need for encouragement to give to others. And I pray that you would meet us in the spot where we have our things in our, in our life that are just, this is just the way it is. We've come to accept it. We've come to embrace This is just how it will be. And those areas that you want to say, no longer will there be paralysis, paralysis. No longer will it be dead. No longer will it be broken. But instead, I can bring something new. I pray that in each of our situations, you would speak that to our heart of the things that you are making new as you destroy the works of the devil, but also as you do the work of life and restoration. Speak that to us. Give us faith to believe. I just want to give you an opportunity just to respond to Jesus. That's something you say, Lord, I recognize that's me. I, I want the life where there's been dead. I want there to be movement where there's been nothing. I want there to be new, renewed relationship where it's been broken. That's you. I just would invite you to lift your hands to the Lord saying, that's me. I recognize my need, my desperate need for that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see hands up across this room. We're open. Lead us into that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, this is an interaction between Mary and Elizabeth and the pregnancy that was happening. And it says, For with God nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Yeah, so as we wrap up, we're thinking about what stands out to you from this. What's God been speaking to you about it? I, I would encourage you, write it down. Write down some things that jump out to you, whether you're a 
pencil and paper girl like Joni, or whether you like to use a computer, whether you want to break out a pen and get a man journal or whatever to, to write in. It, it's really manly if it's black. So just do that. But just write some notes, things that stand out to you. It's really cool to be able to look back on those things that God's talking to you about in a week and to remind, this is the God who's at work in my life. He's at work. I don't know about you, but I, I feel like I want to challenge you. If you will be available to be an encourager, God will give you words of encouragement that will lift people's, be lifters of their heads. And if that's something you want to be true of you, I can tell you myself, a, being a person who is a very practical, I would have called myself a realist, which is a nice way of saying very pessimistic, negative person. It's easier to be negative and critical because then you're not as disappointed. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know what I'm talking about? There came a point in my life when I said, God, I no longer want to so easily immediately jump to the complaining and the criticism. I don't immediately want to be the person who's able to tear others down. Anybody get with me besides that? I don't want to use this weapon that is well-crafted to be something that's destructive. I want to use it for good. Please give me something that's encouraging. And I tell you, I can't shut up sometimes speaking encouragement to people. And that is not normal for me. Trust me, I have used my allotment of words through 2027. And I joke, but I also say, if we listen to what God's saying and speak words of encouragement, we don't have to be profound because God will give us words of wisdom and words of knowledge and words of insight that will be like a, a water causing the, the boat of people's souls to rise. And there's nothing as cool as seeing God working in another person simply because you were available and obedient to him. Ask him and he'll fill your mouth. May God bless you over this next week. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. <laughs> Thank you for praying for us. We felt like it was the two of us with all y'all on this. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Sunday. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside, the number four, dot org.